Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm your host with the most, Wes McDonald. So, Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Wes, it's great to talk to you, man. We, we go back. We do, my friend. It, uh, it's always fun, and we've, we've had, uh, I just think back to, we've had fun all over Canada, all over North America, and all the way down into Sydney. That was one of my favorite evenings of the last decade was, you remember that night of I just do. brainstorming right there on the waterfront in Sydney? Could you believe it? Like, uh, so we've uh, experienced three continents together. We have, I think. This, and, you know, just thinking back to the timing of all of that was probably right about around coming out of the last recession. And here we are, here we are in crisis one more time. Well, the good news is we've both been through it together once before. So I think that's right. a pretty positive thing. <laughs> well, we survived and thrived once. And so we're going we're gonna to survive and thrive once again. Um, what I do professionally uh, is that I am an architect to help companies grow revenue. Uh, that's the, the professional, the personal. One thing people don't know about me, one thing they may or may not know is uh, even though I've got this kind of mashed up quasi Southern accent going on, I actually was born and raised about 35, 40 miles from where you live right now in Ontario. I know. So, Hello, Canuck. Yeah, so maybe I can put on my Canadian accent for the rest of this episode, eh? Well, you so. could, eh? And uh, let's, <laughs> let's take it there and let uh, some of mine come out too. And it's, uh, yeah. it's about, time, uh, about time that you recognize it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so good. Um, I will say, you know, the, the way to my heart, and, and it's, it's kind of cool because the editor for Revenue Growth Engine actually lives in Ontario as well. And she knows the way to my heart, which I'm assuming is very similar to the way to your heart. She sent me some fresh maple syrup last week. So, oh yeah, that is uh, that, that is a delicacy uh, down here in the mid South United States. And uh, so, yeah, my friends um, are astounded when I walk to the fridge, pop the top off the uh, maple syrup bottle and take a swig. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> hey, it's the best shot around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so there, there you go. There's something, uh, there's something that you may or may not have known about me. But if you want to send maple syrup, I will leave the, my address in the show notes. <laughs> hey, we got lots of it up here, so uh, I can definitely do it. We'll just uh, wait till the borders are uh, reopened. Yeah, you know, but it's interesting. We kind of laugh about maple syrup. But in my book, I actually take some, some really important lessons from maple syrup that are actually, I think, are relevant right now. Um, and I mean this in all seriousness is, you know, as, as we're looking um, forward. And I know you and I are recording, are recording this podcast and we're, you know, smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, the quarantine, the lockdown, you know, the craziness around that. And, um, you know, and, and while my heart 100% goes out to uh, people who are struggling uh, with health, parents who are struggling with kids being home, obviously all of us who are, are struggling trying to 
uh, work and lead teams that are now in a, a distributed environment, there's, there's so much empathy and compassion for that. One of the things that I'm a huge advocate for, and one of the things I believe that is maybe the most compassionate and loving thing we can do if we're leading a company is to actually look forward and build a strategy to make sure that when we all come out of our bunkers, that we've got a plan in place and we're ready to go. And, and there's some work involved doing that. And it's kind of like maple syrup, you know, you got to boil it down. Yep. It starts with 40 gallons, right? It starts and, off just like water. Yeah. You boil it down and, you know, and, and with some work and some heat and some, some uh, intentionality, um, you get, you get something amazing. And I think right now, Wes, one of the things that's, we've got as business owners behind the scenes as leaders um, to, to really have an eye to the future and go, what are we going to do to build a strategy with the best assumptions we can, can place right now? What can we do to build a strategy to make sure that, that we're going to go forward and be successful? And I can tell you one thing, it's probably going to be different um, in some small ways and maybe some big ways from what we were doing before all of this began. No, I completely agree. And that's uh, exactly why I wanted you on this podcast today, because for all the years I've known you, you've always been uh, very forward thinking. Uh, you've always been thinking about what is the next. And uh, right now, uh, more than ever, we've got to be thinking about the next because it is going to be different. Um, some of the things are going to be the same. Um, but we've, we've got a real opportunity right now, even in the midst of this, to start thinking about uh, what we're going to do to actually thrive in the future, right? And yeah, that's one thing I've always enjoyed about working with you is that, you know, we've brainstormed on many occasions and uh, the ideas and the action items that we've come up with have always been about growth. And that's really important right now. Uh, war stories right now, things that you've seen happening out there in the dealer community. Everybody at some point in their career and in their life has gone through adversity, um, you know, in your business life and your personal life. We've all gone through adversity. What's unique about this is this is the first time we've all gone through adversity at the same time, yeah. right? Nobody's free from this. Yeah, right. And, and what's really interesting about this is um, because we're all going through adversity at the same time, um, we're all being forced to have levels of empathy we never thought we had inside of us, which is good. Um, and we're all, we're all forced to adapt. And I think, you know, I think if you look at, at the business, you know, if you're, as you're listening in, you know, whatever, whatever perspective that you're coming from as a business owner, um, whatever industry you're coming out of, uh, the reality is there were probably some changes that you needed to make all along. In other words, there were some, some things happening, which were prompting a change in how you do things. And maybe you kind of put it off. Well, guess what? <laughs> We've all learned that we can change faster than we ever thought we could. That's true. And yeah. I'll, I'll add this, Wes, and, and I'm curious what you're seeing, but I've also learned that, like, so in our companies, you know, in our companies and the companies I'm involved in, um, we've had to move from face to face to virtual. And we're learning in the process that there's actually some good things about that, like that we maybe should have done some of this virtually all, all the way along. And, and, and I think the yeah. broader perspective here is when we look at our business in general, there's like ways we've assumed we had to do things that 
we're now starting to understand we don't have to do things that way. There's maybe a better way to do things. And I think that has, can have broad application across certainly the office technology world that you and I, you know, um, are, is embedded in our DNA. Yeah. Really, I think across any aspect of business, there are better ways to do things. And there are. Can do them. Yeah. And I can share a personal story in that. So as you know, uh, my wife is a retailer, right? She's a small town retailer. Mm -hmm. She's a gift store in uh, Port Colborne. And, uh, you know, most of that, like it's very tourist driven uh, traditionally. But of course, the locals, you know, and stuff, you have your, you know, local buyers. And once this happened, she went from having a, an open store location to having nothing, right? And uh, to your point, you know, she'd been talking about doing online sales for, right. you know, probably the last two years. And, but when it finally became necessary, the changes to do that happened in less than a week. Amazing, right? You would have, beforehand, you would have said, well, it's probably gonna take six to eight months right. to do this transition, right? Oh, exactly, and I think that's the, the positive message for everyone out there. Yeah, and I think uh, there is, you know, the approach to this is, is really, really critical right now. You know, when you realize that you can pivot and also you realize that you're gonna need to pivot um, it, there's a change of perspective that happens. And I, I think sometimes it's, it's maybe just that change of perspective that gets you about 80% there. One of my story, and, and for those of you who know me and, and have, uh, you know, we've had relationships over the last, probably 17 years ago, I had, had this idea that I wanted to help companies um, get into, particularly office equipment companies, get into the solutions business. So we launched a, uh, a solutions uh, we called it the document solution specialist bootcamp. So 17 years ago, we were training reps how to sell document management software. We're training solution specialists. And um, it was, it was very uh, soon into that, that one of my first clients came to me and said, Hey, Daryl, all this stuff you taught our sales team and our solution specialist is great, but our website doesn't say anything about it. Do you build websites? So it was my first pivot, first client. Yes, sir. We build websites. I've actually, built a web <laughs> I've actually built a website for my church and for a nonprofit before you that. Neither I'm doing it. Yeah. So, um, so the, we go where the opportunity is. And lesson number one, I think, for all of us, no matter where you're coming from right now, it's it's going to be really important that we go where the opportunity is. Um, so. So anyhow, I, I started on this journey, and out of it, you know, next thing you know. Um, I've got a marketing agency, right? So we're building, we're building websites and then we're doing search engine optimization. Hey, I've used your services and they were, I know you have, but thank you. And it's, it's, um, you know, so, so all of a sudden, you know, we're doing all of this stuff and, um, and we're, we're involved in, yeah, search engines, social HubSpot, inbound marketing, um, and, and all of a sudden, I, I realized one day, and, and this is where, you know, I think all of us are, during this pause that we're in right now, kind of need to take a walk, a step back, take a pause, maybe go fishing, uh, right, West, Get out in the, take your kayak out in the middle of the lake, whatever you need to do to get in a, a quiet <laughs> Once space. every two days, whether I like it or not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but get some perspective, and, and just one day, at one day, I, and, and events like this help you get perspective. And one day I realized that, you know, this isn't what, what we're doing for our clients isn't about marketing. Marketing is, is what we do or how we do it. But what we really do 
is we help companies grow revenue. Um, and I, you can even peel it back a, a level further. My why to get, you know, Simon Sinek on us for a moment is um, I want to help great companies grow revenue. And great companies are the types of companies um, that we get to serve that provide meaningful work. They have great corporate cultures. They're giving back to their community. I want those types of companies to grow. So really what we're doing, you know, how do we, how we do it? Yeah, we provide marketing services. We do sales training, but really what we're doing is, is we're driving revenue growth. So it changed everything in our business. We, when we had that aha moment of, well, yeah, we do marketing, but we're actually uh, a partner that helps companies develop and execute plans for growth, especially in the technology industry. But I think this goes beyond our industry and, and, and really every, every client that, that we're talking to. The reality is that they're, not all customers are created equal. Um, I've got, I actually wrote uh, a summary. I've, I've been going back during, the, during this uh, downtime. I've been going back through my favorite books, some old, some new, and a new book that came across my radar uh, right before this, this crisis is called The Pumpkin Plan. And in this book, Mike Michalowicz, who's one of my hands down, one of my favorite authors, says something. When you first read it, you go, what? He goes, not all customers are created equal. And then he goes on to say, the customer is not always right. And you go, or what are you talking about? What he says is, the right customer is always right. So here's what I mean by that, Wes. I, I think when you take a look, and, and this, is, you know, this is the time to do this right now, um, especially for our friends in the office equipment channel, you gotta look and go, okay, who are my ideal clients? Like, I've got a lot of clients, but if I'm honest, and we've gone through this exercise when we do our revenue growth workshop, we say, tell me about your favorite clients, you know, the ones that you really enjoy working with, the ones that trust you, the ones that look to you for advice, the ones that pay their bills, uh, the ones that, you know, that, that you just go, wow, I wish we had a hundred more of these. We start looking at those clients and then, then I start asking, okay, well, what's the 10 year revenue potential of this client? So to take the office, you know, technology angle on this. Of course, there's revenue potential around office equipment, printers, then we get into uh, telephony, then we get into solutions, then we get into managed IT services. And we realize that the ideal client, if you add up the 10-year value, is kind of funny. I was, I was just thinking about one, one um, office, <laughs> they'd get mad if I called him a copier dealer, um, one office technology provider we're working with right now in the Midwest um, you know, when we looked at their ideal client and added up the 10 year value of that client, if they were hundred percent sold and bought everything, it was $950,000. Then we looked at the up and down, the good old up and down the street average client. And we said, you know, if you were lucky to get three lease upgrades on their copier over, you know, 10 years, what, or what would that client look like? Even though we all know that those types of clients aren't loyal and they usually are the ones that complain the most. That's right. We realized that the average revenue off that client was somewhere around $30,000 for three lease upgrades with some service on a single unit placement. And so all of a sudden the lights come on and we go, holy smoke, some of our clients have a $900,000, $950,000 revenue potential, while others have a you know, $30,000, $35,000 revenue potential. 
I wonder where we should be focusing our effort, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so, you're really talking about the idea that, uh, and, and that's not a mythology. All customers are not created equally. They're right? not. And, and so what, what I say is, A, you better understand who your ideal clients are. Um, B, in your market, you better know who your ideal prospects are. And so that, you know, and that narrows the landscape dramatically. I was working with another client down uh, in a, it was in a huge market in, uh, in, a, in a huge state. And when we looked at their marketplace, I think there were 90,000 businesses in their marketplace and they had 10 sales reps. So, you know, understanding that, you know, in their case, they call on finance decision makers, executives and IT people at a minimum inside every account. That's 90,000 times three. It's 270,000 people that they wanted 10 sales reps to call on. Tell me how that math works. So it doesn't, right? So then no, it's just, not. You know, it's in go sell something and they, you know, we get whatever we can and we wonder why we only have a handful of these ideal clients. So yep. we said, let's figure out who the ideal clients are. Let's, you know, and that's, you know, narrows the landscape down to a couple thousand. Let's assign the sales reps to those and say, look, you can take a deal from whomever you want. There's one non-negotiable, and that is every one of these ideal targets hears from you at least once a quarter. What, what the new term that I like to, to talk about is called an ICL, and it's an ideal client lead. And what I mean by that is when you know who your ideal prospects are, um, and you know, you've narrowed that down, that landscape down to, you know, the companies that you really, really want to work with. When something comes from one of those companies, and it really doesn't matter what it is, it's an excuse to get a foot in the door. So if they, you know, comment on a, on a social post or download something or, you know, even if they happen to buy a, um, you know, a, a segment one, you know, A4 little device that normally you wouldn't even care about. When it happens in an ideal target, an ideal client, you ring the bell and you celebrate because we got a foot in the door for a company that has potential to, you know, give us $950,000 in revenue over the next decade. Well, that's, um, that's the trick. That's the magic, right? That yeah. Is. So it's a different mindset of saying, okay, we're going to direct our marketing and our sales efforts around these prospects. We're also uh, going to evaluate success a little bit differently. This goes to your clients as well. You know, when um, part of the exercise that I think companies need to go through, Mike Michalowicz in the pumpkin plan gives a brilliant methodology for going through and ranking your clients and, you know, saying, is this an A, B, C, or D client? An A client is that ideal client that can buy everything that you sell and it's going to be loyal. You know, when those, when you look at your client list, you know, you can, you can definitely stack rank your clients in terms of revenue, but there are some of your current clients that may actually be A clients that, you know, have only bought a couple products or services from you. They may be low on your revenue list but they should be at the top of your list in terms of clients that you give the white glove treatment to and that Absolutely. you are actively managing. Could not agree more, right? That's the, the problem is that sometimes those easy sales, those small sales, uh, sometimes even those big sales, we're not analyzing exactly what the potential is for the future. And I can't think of a better time right now. Like we have to think about the future. So I'm going to move the, yeah. 
I'm going to move us into a new direction right now is mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot. Huh. Um, Great. If, if you had three ideas, right? So everyone that we speak with right now is kind of mm-hmm. hunkering down They're They're trying to keep the wheels on the cart, but we've got to start thinking about what happens after the dust settles, right? So if mm-hmm. you had three ideas for them, just three things, what would that be? What are we going to do to recover and grow revenue and, and how can we plan that? There's, I've discovered that there's two ways traditionally companies plan revenue growth. One is with a ruler and the other is with a, a can of spaghetti. Now, the can of spaghetti is where you just throw some numbers up on the wall. Yeah, and, and, and then you get to the end of the year and go, well, we didn't hit that. And then you throw another can of spaghetti against the wall. That's not a good way to plan the growth of your company, by the way. Um, another more methodical way to plan the growth of your company is with a ruler and, uh, you know, you, uh, take and graph out the last few years of revenue trend in your company. And, you know, if we grew 10% last year, well, let's grow 10% this year, you know, really? I mean, is that really the best way? Is it with all this new opportunity that you have, um, in, you know, new product lines, new services, is that really the best way to plan revenue growth? maybe you're leaving a lot on the table doing it that way. So what we say is if is you can anticipate revenue growth by setting what I call ABR goals, aggressive, but realistic. And the way you do that is by just going down one level in terms of what drives revenue. And there are only two things that drive revenue. We're either getting more customers, net new business, or we're cross-selling more to our current customers. So, so the two drivers of revenue is number one, how many net new customers can we add? And then the second thing is how can we increase our revenue per customer? So when, uh, when we're working with clients and helping them set realistic, aggressive, but realistic growth, growth goals, we're starting with that question of what's the total number of customers that you have right now? A thousand, okay. What's your revenue per customer? $5,000 per year. Uh, well, let's multiply that out. Your $5 million business. So, okay, great. What would happen? You know, how, how, what would happen if you grew your um, customer base by 10%, added 100 new customers, and simultaneously focused on cross-selling and grew your revenue per client by 10%? Could, would that be doable? And, uh, you know, and then we we'll start- That's pretty realistic, that. I think. Yeah. Well, here's what's magical about that is if you grow your net, your number of customers by 10% and your revenue per customer by 10%, just pull out a spreadsheet. You'll discover that in just over three years, you doubled your revenue growth organically doubled. Isn't that great? Yeah. So, um, and this, you know, especially in the technology world and, and we've got, you know, we've, I, mean, I know, you know, my heart goes out to everybody because I know that we're all going to dust off our P&Ls here in a couple months and go, oh, geez, <laughs> you know, because trying to even figure out what the new norm is, is going to take a little while. But the reality is we're all going to have to show more than linear growth to recover what we lost. Absolutely. We're, we're going to need exponential growth. So how do you get exponential growth? Well, you cross sell. The average managed print contract is worth about $17 to $24 per user, right? Yep. And the average managed services contract is anywhere from $65 to $110 per user. 
and we're going to need it. You know, linear revenue is not going to get us out of this hole that I do what we did last year thing. So yeah, I mean, when the dust settles, how many customers do you have? What's your revenue per customer right now, which is simple. Take your total revenue, divide it by the number of customers. You have your revenue per customer. And now how can we grow that? And so, so the next two things I want to share, you asked me for three, um, one, they're both very practical. Um, and one we've already, already really talked about, which is aligning your sales and marketing efforts around the ideal client. One of the best ways we can um, accelerate revenue growth, and this is, is by bringing on clients that actually have cross-sell potential. So, you know, a lot of, in, in our uh, copier dealer world, a lot of people are going, well, not all my clients are candidates for managed IT services. Bingo. Let's figure out who are and let's attract more of those types of clients. ABC, because, baby. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and then, you know, I won't get into the sales and marketing alignment thing. We, we could have a conversation about that for another two hours. Um, I will say that Forrester surveyed C-level um, executives and just the honest answer of C-level executives is nearly half of them agreed that they have lost significant revenue because sales and marketing are out of alignment. So how do you align sales and marketing? I think it's actually really simple. It's not about sales and marketing. Um, it's about the ideal client. Get both of them focused on the same thing and all of a sudden you'll find they're aligned. So uh, you really understand that ideal client. And the last thing, the third thing is um, not only do we have to anticipate exponential growth and align sales and marketing around the ideal client, we also have to automate parts of our, our business to be able to make sure that we've got things in motion. You know, what I've noticed, Wes, and I don't know what your experience has been, but um, I spent years training salespeople how to sell business process improvement, workflow solutions. And most areas of a business have processes like manufacturing, accounting, human resources. They all operate on processes. But when you go into a sales team or a marketing department, it's like the Wild West. You know, we tell our salespeople, we'll go out and sell something. <laughs> and we tell our marketing people, you know, hey, run a campaign, Good, you know, post an event. But where's the planning and process behind all of that? And we all know for business to be successful, there's got to be a plan and there's got to be processes to execute that plan. And so I think one of the best things businesses can do right now as they're you know, setting goals, as they're building their business going forward to attract and retain ideal clients is to make sure they have the processes in place on a sales and marketing side that uh, are going to ensure that those things happen. Yeah. And, and you just set me up entirely for a plug for Tigerpaw, which you know, <laughs> very did, nice. So I glad. did not ask for which is uh, automation, right? So it uh, is at Tigerpaw, we do business process automation and it's not just for off swimming dealers. You know, in, in, um, in revenue growth engine in the book, which is coming out uh, May 11th. And I'm so excited. If anyone can't wait to get my copy, I know it's good. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to get your review. <laughs> so, um, but you know, all of that, it, it, what we identified, we identified 12 core revenue processes, six on the sales side, six on the marketing side, half of them are related to net new business and half of them are related to cross sell. As it should and, be. Love it. Yeah. So, well, let me give you just one example. And this is, I mean, in, in the world we live in, um, where we've got, you know, legacy hardware dealers that want to cross sell stuff desperately and have struggled for decades to actually pull it off. 
there's a process to do that. It's called a periodic business review. And, uh, and, and who do you do periodic business reviews for? Not every client, just your ideal clients. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and by the way, we could talk about this for another hour. It's not a periodic uh, print review because no one cares about that. After. I smell another podcast. It's, uh, it's a business review. What's going on in your business right now? And, and how can we help? Sales reps need to bring insights. The, the buyers want insights. They want the salespeople to bring ideas to them. Well, that's what a periodic business review is. It's not just you know pulling out your service uptime report and saying, hey, look, we did a good job. No one's going to show up to that meeting because they've got business problems to solve. Um, but if you make your periodic business reviews about having discussions about business and then you execute on those consistently and you have a process to um, lead up to the meeting, to follow up from the meeting and sales reps are trained in that process. There's an example of one of the core sales processes that you can put into place that accelerate revenue growth and help you increase your revenue per client. Oh, and by the way, during a periodic business review, as you're doing a great job for those clients, you also ask for referrals, which helps you drive net new business. Usually those referrals are to similar type companies, which are your ideal clients. So there's, that's just one small example of an area of a business where, you know, we'll anticipate exponential growth, we'll align everything around the needs of the ideal client, and then we'll activate a process that, um, you know, that is going to be uh, a, perpetual ongoing process that becomes part of our, our sales DNA and, and becomes part of the client experience. And that's, that's how you grow. And you're right. Uh, spot on in terms of this is a great time to be putting those things in motion so that when we all, you know, emerge into the brave new world, we're, we're ready to rock and roll with that. type. Well, of it's, stuff. A, it's a wonderful time to work on the business, right? And I've actually got a blog, which is coming out. Uh, next week, which is, which is on that specifically, which is in these hard times, you know, we can go into panic mode or we can, you know, try and focus on the old ways, or we can actually partition off a part of this new time, which we're not commuting. We're not, yes, you know, doing certain things. Let's work on the business. Oh, West, I've never had a conversation with you that I didn't leave fired up. So uh, thank you. Let's do it, thank brother. You for all that you're doing. And uh, yeah. And thank you for being a leader. I, you know, the last thing I'll say is, is I've, I've started, I've become a part of a group called the C-Suite Network Advisors. And um, one of the main reasons I wanted to join this group and, and we get to interact with C-level people and across multiple industries, which has been very um, energizing to me and I'm getting all kinds of fresh ideas out of that. But that, the mantra for that group right now has been drive and thrive. And, um, you know, I don't want to discount the empathy. We've got to, to love and be kind to the people around us, but it's never been more important for us as business leaders, sales professionals, marketing professionals to have an eye to the future and, you know, to don't take the foot off the gas, don't hit pause. It is time to drive so we can thrive in the future. Thank you so much for joining us on today's interview. Always a pleasure, Wes. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, 
and keep that inner tiger strong.